welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation, so we can grow in our relationship with God. depths of your love never amaze us, Lord. As we continue our journey with you, you just keep revealing yourself to us through people, through circumstances, and most of all, Lord, through your word, through the inspiration of your precious Holy Spirit living in each believer. And we just pray for tonight, Lord, that you would speak to us once again through your precious word that we would just uh, dive in and learn truths that we never even thought about before because you reveal them to your children. Thank you for each person that's here, Lord. Regardless of what they're going through, Lord, uh, mentally, physically, spiritually, that you would just touch them, that they would lay, lay everything just at the foot of the cross here tonight, Lord, and that they would leave here, Lord, closer to you, more in love with you and feeling your presence and love more than ever. Pray for those watching on uh, the internet. We just pray that you touch hearts. And we just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, everybody warm enough? Okay, if you could open up your Bible to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. The book of Acts is also called the book, the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And if you've been reading and following along with us, you can see so many reasons that that is so. With just how the Holy Spirit is guiding uh, the men and women, the circumstances that are taking place. Just want to read this leading into the study tonight. A couple things. This is from... um, Warren Wearsby's book, Be Daring. For the Apostle Paul, the church at Antioch was not a parking lot. It was a launching pad. He could never settle down to a comfortable ministry. Anywhere as long as there were open doors for the preaching of the gospel. Paul would have agreed enthusiastically with the words of Robertson McQuilkin from his book, The Great Omission compared to the Great Commission, okay? It's the Great Omission. In a world in which nine out of every ten people are lost, three out of four have never heard the way out, and one out of every two cannot hear, the church sleeps on. Could it be we think there must be some other way? Or perhaps we don't really care that much. Paul cared, and so should we. I'm sure you've all heard in your lifetime the saying, in one ear and out the other. Be good if we all had spiritual ear, one spiritual ear, not two, but one. So whenever anything came in, spiritually speaking, it would stay in there. It wouldn't come back out. And our prayer is always when we sit and listen to God's word, that it would not only penetrate our brain, but more importantly, our heart and our spirit. So as we um, 
put up this map here. We have over in this area here, Antioch. And remember, a few hundred miles um, this way is Jerusalem. Paul, in his second missionary journey that we're going to start tonight, goes from Antioch through his hometown, Tarsus, going up to Derby and Lystra. You'll hear Iconium. He'll be, you'll hear uh, Phrygia. You'll hear about Galatia a little bit. Uh, Bithynia up in here. Pamphylia down in here. But the main route he's taken is through here. He's going to come up into this area of Mysia, but where his destination will take him is Troas. And from Troas, he's going to take about a 150-mile boat trip over here to Neapolis. And from there, he's going to go to Philippi, which is about 10 miles. And that about will be where we get in the first 20 verses tonight. So I want you to see this route that he's taken, mostly on foot. Okay, and he's an older guy, and he's also with... A, um, a guy you'll meet tonight again, that he's traveling and he's going to hook up with some people as he goes. But uh, this is the route that Paul has taken on his second missionary journey. And, you know, the weather's not always good. His health isn't always good. In certain passes that he goes through here, there's mountainous regions that are over 20,000 feet elevation. Some places the passage is so narrow that you can only fit two people through it. And a lot of times there'd be thieves and robbers trying to rip off people. So a lot of times people would travel into the mountainous area in a caravan so they would have protection of one another. And as I was studying this passage in Acts in the, in the verses that we're going to look at tonight, I was just thinking how Paul took the gospel message from Jerusalem to Antioch all the way over here. And where he's going today, where we'll see, is that he's going to come over into this region here and into Macedonia. But there's some adventures or lack of adventures he faces because the Holy Spirit doesn't want him to go certain places to preach the gospel. And we'll talk about that when we get to it. But because of him listening to the Holy Spirit, he takes the gospel into Macedonia. Greece is down in this area here. And eventually, he keeps going this way. And the gospel, the reason we're sitting here today is because of a situation that takes place tonight by a riverbank. And we're going to take a look at that tonight. So it's pretty uh, cool stuff. So the title of tonight's message is Different People, Different Experiences. You've heard the word divine providence. So a a short definition of divine or an example of divine uh, providence. The doctrine of divine providence can be summarized this way. God in eternity past in the counsel of his own will, ordained everything that will happen, yet in no sense is God the author of sin. 
nor is human responsibility removed. The primary means by which God accomplishes his will is through secondary causes. Example, the laws of nature and human choice. In other words, God usually works indirectly to accomplish his will. God also sometimes works directly to accomplish his will. These works are what we call miracles. A miracle is God circumventing for a short period of time the natural order of things to accomplish his will. Examples would be the light that fell on Saul on the road to Damascus. That is an example of God's direct intervention. The frustrating of Paul's plans to go to Bithynia is an example of God's indirect guiding. But both are examples of God's providence at work. So as we study God's word tonight, I'm sure, just like me, there's situations that are taking place, have taken place, or will be taking place where you don't understand what the heck is happening. How many people have been there in the past? I think most of us. But God's divine providence is always there. When we can't understand all this stuff that's happening, good or bad, but mostly it wakes us up when it's bad stuff going on in our lives, understand God's hand is guiding you through it. And this is one of the main things that I took from my study of Acts 16. One, you remember, this is Paul. First half of Acts was pretty much Peter, and then Paul took over. Okay, and we see Paul right now in the last few chapters, and we'll see that through the end of the book of Acts. So I'm going to take a reading right now from 2 Corinthians, chapter 11, verse 23 to 28. So this was Paul's letter to the Corinthians. The Corinth church was, or the Corinth area, was crazy. The people were immoral. They had the temple prostitutes, the crime, everything that was going on. So Paul writes this letter to the Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three. 23, it says, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often. In perils of water. In perils of robbers. In perils of my own countrymen. In perils of the Gentiles in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Wow. 
What's our excuse for not coming to church? What's our excuse for not getting into God's Word? What's our excuse for not talking to God every moment of every day? What's our excuse? Paul just laid out a resume of his life and his ministry. I don't think I can pick one of those out that has ever been in the 20 years that I've been on this planet. Anybody out there? Okay. I thought I was looking at a mural or something. All right. So today we're going to look at the second missionary journey that took place about five years after the first missionary journey. And Paul's taken a reverse course. The first time he went from Antioch this way to Cyprus and then up this way. He's, and came around. Now he's reversing it, going this way. And if you remember, um, Barnabas and him had an argument about taking John Mark. So Barnabas and John Mark are going down this way while Paul and his team are going this way. So let's pick up in um, chapter 16, verse 1. Then he came to Derbe and Lystra. And behold, a certain disciple is there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was a Greek. So you can see right now from the map, Paul is going this way to Derby and Lystra. Five years ago, Derby received them real well. Lystra beat them up and left them for dead. So now it's five years later that he's going back to see what God is doing with the places that he helped found. The churches, the Bible studies that he helped find. Timothy, we looked a little bit last time, is five years older. His mom and his grandmother, two believers, raised him up in the ways of the Lord. But, he also either saw Paul or heard the story about Paul getting beat up, left for dead. And when a miracle took place, Paul got up and walked back into the city of Lystra. So this was a special visit by a special man to the believers in Christ. Timothy was a young guy. Paul loved to hook up with the young guys because he was mentoring them. He was building into their lives. And that's why it's so crucial here at this church, whether it be the Sunday school downstairs, the young adults, the millennials, whatever. Building into their lives so that when we're gone, they're carrying the torch. They keep carrying the torch. That's so huge. And it's such a privilege for the pastors, when we see anybody, any age, on fire with God's Holy Spirit. But the fire of God's Holy Spirit is not an emotional reaction. It can be initially. But a person who is born again, after the beginning of that walk, 
The true test is the commitment in the life of that person carrying on the life of Christ throughout the rest of their lives and in everybody they come in contact with. And I remember being young, being on a roller coaster with my walk with the Lord, but as I get older, maturity set in. But I've met people in their 20s, 30s, that have a solid, on-fire walk with the Lord. They didn't have to go through a lot of stuff. They just stayed hooked into God's Word, and the Word just kept maturing them and changing them. In verse 2, it says, He was well spoken of by their brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. So word had spread about this young guy, Timothy. Said last time, we don't really know, but maybe he was a guest speaker at one of the Bible studies in Lystra or Iconium. Maybe he helped feed the poor. Maybe he was just uh, doing things, ministering to people. Regardless, he was spoken of well by the people at Lystra and Iconium. Isn't that cool? For somebody to be well thought of, to have a good reputation, to have a solid reputation in other areas beside the area that they're in. In verse 3, Paul wanted to have him go on with him. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was Greek. If there was a two beliefs in the marriage, usually the mother's belief was what the child was targeted as. So in this case, Timothy's mom was a Jew, his dad was a Greek. And you have to remember in this area, it was pagan worship. It was whatever you wanted to do goes. So when Christianity came in, it was a whole new way of life. It was totally opposite what the culture was feeding people. You did have the Jewish people. You did have Judaism. And they would follow the laws of Moses. But as you know, as you're in the study of this, Paul was saying that a non-Jew didn't have to follow the laws of Moses. They didn't have to get circumcised. And that was revolutionary And remember, they decided in Jerusalem at the council that they didn't have to be circumcised, the Greeks, the Gentiles. They didn't have to follow the laws of Moses. So part of this journey, or the main reason for this journey, was to go to all the churches and tell everybody, and tell all the Gentiles, they didn't have to follow the Ten Commandments. They didn't have to get circumcised. They just had to believe in Jesus. Revolutionary. But notice in verse 3 that Paul had Timothy circumcised. And, you, and if you remember, he didn't, they didn't, the Gentiles didn't need to be circumcised. But then why is Paul circumcising Timothy? And it was out of love for all the people that they were going to meet on this way Because all the people here 
the Jews and the Gentiles. This was a brand new teaching. So Timothy and Paul were willing to take that step to be accepted by the Jewish people they would be ministering to because the Jews who were locked in their traditions were not going to accept this uncircumcised Jew. It was anathema. It was preposterous for them to deal with this guy. So Paul told Timothy, Timothy obeyed Paul, and now it opened the door to not only in this region, but also going over into Europe. Verse 4, And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. They didn't have a worship team going with them. They didn't have a movie screen. They didn't have bells and whistles and smoke you know, machines. They did two things. They preached the word of God. And they had fellowship with those people. And notice what took place. They were strengthened in the faith. And then they increased in number daily. Chuck Smith, who God used to uh, start a Calvary Chapel back in Costa Mesa back in the 60s, was used by God to start Calvary Chapel. And if Paul took a journey from the first Calvary Chapel to here, he would see the work of God's Holy Spirit throughout the United States of America. Holy Spirit raised up Pastor Joe over 20 years ago to do a Bible study in South Brunswick, and then eventually in the school, and then eventually coming to here. Because it's the work of the same Holy Spirit that was in the book of Acts that is still working in this church today and other spirit-filled churches. But as I say that, you have to also remember that the same is true of the work against God in churches throughout the land. They're not biblically ground churches. They do not lift up God's word. And they're dead. They need to bring in people to try to increase the population in their church. They need to do things to try to make it exciting. There is nothing more exciting than reading God's word. And asking God to reveal to you those things he wants you to know know through the divine supernatural word of God. Because he has a message for each of you individually. And when we come together, he has a message for all of us collectively. In John 15, 16, it says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Each of you has been chosen by God. 
to bear fruit, to tell others the good news of Jesus' love, to tell others all they have to do is believe in Jesus Christ, get to know Him. That's it. No rules, no regulations. It's by God's the power of His Holy Spirit. If you're in ministry, or you desire to be in ministry, don't ever do anything to hinder your ministry. Ask God to give you wisdom, strength, love, patience, long-suffering. Ask Him to give you His love so that you can pour out His love on others. Don't you be the generator of that love. It's got to come from God and the Holy Spirit that He's given you. Paul in 1 Corinthians 9, 2 says, I have learned to become all things to all men that I might gain the more. Remember John the Baptist at the baptism of Jesus that he wanted to become less and Jesus more? That's what has to happen in your life and my life. That we get out of the way and allow the living God through the power of His Holy Spirit in Jesus' name to work through us so that Vinny becomes less and less and God becomes more and more. As we grow, we should be seeing that transformation. We should be seeing things happening within our lives. In 1 Corinthians 9.19, Paul says, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without the law, as without the law that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might, may be a partaker of it with you. Now I don't know where each of you are at this point of your walk with the Lord, but Pastor Chuck used to always say, where God guides he provides. If he shuts one ministry or one opportunity or one job or one situation, he will open another. You're his child. And as we're going to look tonight, we're going to see Paul probably had these same situations in his heart and his mind. Why is this happening? Why, why am I going this way? And Paul learned what Isaiah said in 55, 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So let's go back now to verse 6 of chapter 16. Now, when they had gone through Pergia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. 
So up on the map now, okay, they were forbidden, okay, to go into this region here, Pergia. And what was the other region? And Galatia. So you had this whole area. So Paul with Silas and Timothy, right? He picked up Timothy. They were trying to go this way or in this direction. But the Holy Spirit stopped them. Why? That's so important. And we're going to see that tonight. One of the re- some of the reasons why. God had a plan. It wasn't the same thing that Paul thought God's plan was. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. So one of the things that you and I need to do is say, Lord, as I adventure here, as I teach tonight, as I go into my ministry, as I go into my family, as I go into my job place, my workplace, I want to know your way. I want to know what you want me to say, the first conflict that I have with my coworkers or my boss. Or when I get home later today. What do you want me to say? How do you want me to act with my kids, with my wife? How should I act? I need you to move in my heart, Lord. Notice again, he was forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Now, the question, did he fight it? Paul was a stubborn guy. When he got beat up in Lystra, he went right back in. When he was told by the Holy Spirit not to go to Jerusalem, he still goes. Hard. Tough. Wants to do the Lord's will. Well, if in Galatians, one of the things that takes place is during this trip, he gets very sick. And he can't make the journey into the area that he wants to. He can't. So maybe when he was laying on his back, sick, He became more humble. He prayed more. He listened more because he couldn't get up and do anything on his own. I don't know about you, but that's happened to me. Where I couldn't do anything. Whether it's because of pneumonia or COVID. Boy, I just was, for the first time, chilling. So God could be spilling on me His Holy Spirit and the things He wanted me to know. And what a blessed time that was. Because instead of being busy, I was listening. I was quiet. Looking for direction. Verse 7. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia. Okay, here's Mysia, that region. So notice, here's Lystra, right? They're coming up through here. Remember on the first journey, he had planted a church in Antioch. He's come, he checked that church. Now he's going to Mysia, but he's told not to go there. He wanted to come up this way. Holy Spirit forbade him to go. So Paul's not sure exactly where to go. 
So he just keeps going without resistance over here to Troas. That's what we're going to see soon. In verse 8, so passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. So Macedonia is this way, everybody. You're going up in this area. And this is the reason of Macedonia. And if you keep going over here, Yugoslavia is here. And as you keep going and going and going, you're eventually going to hit Great Britain, France, Scotland. There's an open door now. Something's happening here. Something's taking place. Because of the closed doors that God is saying, I forbid you to go this way, Paul. Paul starts going in the direction of Troas, which is where God wants him to go. But he still doesn't know what to do. He knows he's going to preach the gospel, but he doesn't know his destination. So, on this particular night, he has a vision. And there's a man of Macedonia standing and pleading with him in the vision, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, I want to point out one thing before we go to 10. In verse 6, notice it says, Now when they had gone through Pergia, dropped down to uh, verse 10, and watch what happens. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. The they becomes a we. Person writing Acts was writing they, they, they. Then all of a sudden in Troas, Luke, the writer of the book of Acts, joins up with Timothy, Silas, and Paul. And then you'll see the passages where he's saying we. And us. And then there's another break where he goes they again because he stayed behind. So isn't that interesting how Luke, firsthand, he's seeing what's taking place as he writes it from this point on. And notice they came to a conclusion based on the dream or the vision that Paul had. And in the second half of 10, it says, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. To who? Well, the people on the other side. This 150-mile boat trip over to here to start preaching over in this area here. Now, the culture here in Asia is different from the culture over in Europe. So let's look at the last section that we're going to look at tonight with verse 11 to 15. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and the next day came to Neapolis. So again on the map, Troas, and here is that island, Samothrace. 
and then they're going to continue on to Neapolis. But notice a word here that, again, unless you break it down and study it, you can jump right over it. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace. The reason it says straight course is because they had the wind behind them. It only took two days to get to where they wanted to go. When he comes back, it takes five days. Think about it. The Lord wanted them to get someplace. How badly? So badly, there's a vision of a man in Macedonia. There's a wind behind them pushing them across a journey that normally takes five days. They made it in two. What's going on where they're going that they have to get there? Well, this goes back to divine providence. It goes back to the title of tonight's message, different people, different experiences. There's different things that take place in different people's lives to get them to the place that God wants them to be. And that's the same thing with you and with me. We're different people. God reaches us in different ways most of the time. What reaches you might not reach me and vice versa. But God knows how to get our attention and what it takes. Verse 12. From Neapolis and from there they go to Philippi. And it's about a 10 mile journey up to Philippi. Which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia. It's a colony. So take a look now at Philippi, right here. Remember Paul's letter to the Philippians? That was the church in Philippi. And the reason it was a Roman colony, this is where all the retired soldiers who survived the wars and the training retired to. Most of them retired to Philippi. And just like in Rome, they chased out all the Jewish people There weren't many Jews in Philippi because it was a Roman colony, meaning they didn't have to pay taxes, just like in Rome. The rules of Rome were the same rules in Philippi. But can you imagine soldiers who uh, survived all the years of being in a Roman army? What kind of men they must have been? How hardened they must have been? How tough they must have been? in their retirement years, in Philippi. And notice at the end of verse 12, and we were staying in that city for some days. So you have Paul, a Jew, staying in the city of Philippi. You have Silas, his buddy. Remember Silas from Jerusalem, an elder. Also a prophet. You have a young guy, Timothy. All brand new to him. Brand new adventure. Probably wondering sometimes, what the heck am I doing here? Verse 13, And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside. I wonder why Paul, Timothy, Luke, Silas didn't go to the synagogue. Because normally they went to synagogues whenever they visited places, if there was a synagogue. Well, there wasn't any synagogue. 
in Philippi. To have a synagogue, you needed 10 or more Jewish men. There wasn't that many men to have a synagogue. So, Paul, after being there a few days in verse 13, he found out that people that worshipped one God went down to the riverside where prayer was customarily made and we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. So I'm reading this. I'm thinking of Timothy's mom and grandmother, two godly women. I'm thinking right here of these women who went down by the river on the Sabbath. And we'll look at one in closing, uh, the name Lydia. And then I thought of my mom. My mom who uh, went to be with the Lord probably over 20, 25 years now, but she was a godly woman. She always prayed for my dad, my sister, my brothers, and me. Just set the example. She was the one who brought God into the house. And how cool it was that on the Sabbath day, these women, there were no men down at the river, these women were down at the river praying. And Paul sits down to speak with the women who he met there. He didn't stand up there and preach. He sat down and had a one-on-something, one-on-five, one-on-seven number of women, I don't know. But definitely one of the women he was speaking to. And so let's go down. It says in verse 14, Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. Don't pass over heard. I pray even now as we're closing the last five minutes that you're hearing what God's Holy Spirit is trying to say to you. You can hear a noise, but doesn't mean you're listening. Doesn't mean it. Only means if you're listening, if you're taking it in, and you're, you're putting that down in your heart and you're thinking about it. Notice she was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshipped God. So let's go back to the map. Look, here's uh, Thyatira. Look, this is where Lydia was from. That's where she had her business. And she went all the way over here to Philippi. I wonder why. Maybe because she was a seller of purple. She was a seller of the Roman kind of outfits, you know, the purple and the red outfits that they love. She was probably doing business there. But notice about this. This is huge. It was the Sabbath. But it was a very busy day business-wise in Philippi. But she wasn't at work. She was honoring God. She was down at the riverside praying. And God honored that. There's a reason there was winds in the sails as Paul left from Troas. There was a reason that they got there in two days. Because maybe in three or four days, Lydia's not around. God wanted that meeting with Lydia and Paul. And he made it happen. His hand was on it. There was no coincidence. There's no coincidence in the kingdom of God. The Lord, uh, 
Last sentence in 14. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. She worshipped God. Awesome. But guess what? She didn't have that relationship yet with the Jesus that Paul was talking about when he sat with the women at the river. God honored Lydia's heart. If you're sincerely seeking Jesus Christ and you don't know him by that name, but you're sincerely seeking God, he will reveal Jesus to you. That is so awesome about our God, how much he loves every person that he wants to grab a hold of their hearts. And the last verse. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us saying, if you have judged me, to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. At the beginning, and when she and her household were baptized. Paul didn't just baptize people because they wanted to be baptized. When the pastors baptized somebody up here in the baptismal behind the screen, we asked if they have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. Paul made sure that before he baptized Lydia and her household, they were believers. So there was a conversion experience down here at the river. And in Psalm 1, verse 3, it says, The person who follows the Lord, the person who is in love with God, will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Lydia becomes the first European convert. And Lydia, remember, Paul was forbidden to go into Asia But Lydia was from Asia. She was over here in Europe. Lydia will go back to Asia and bring the gospel. God's ways are not our ways. Don't try to figure God out if he doesn't reveal himself through the scriptures. Just trust him and believe him. Even when you don't know when a door is closing. Or you're going to this area and you're not sure what's going to happen. God has ways of letting you know what he wants you to do. So, we know that one reason the doors were shut in other areas of that continent of Asia was for Paul to meet Lydia and the other women And that gospel would eventually travel all the way over here to Janesburg, New Jersey. Wow. And it continues to move across the country, through the Hawaiian Islands, to Japan and China and over that area of the Middle East, of Asia. And it's coming back around. Iran has millions of believers 
I wonder, when it gets back <laughs> to where it started, is that it? Is it over? Can we all go up? Can we all be caught up in the air? Who knows? But until then, keep falling deeper in love with Jesus. Trust in him, even though you can't figure out some of the things that are going on and the things that he does reveal to you. Give him glory for that. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the book of Acts. Thank you for the work of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I just pray for everybody here and on the internet that they would just put their trust in you, they would just believe in you, that they would open up their Bibles and read the book of Luke, the book of John, book of Acts, read 1 and 2 Thessalonians, just get into your word and see the treasures and the direction that God wants all of us to know individually as we follow him. We are far, far from being finished being used by God. He wants to use each one of us immensely. Whatever is keeping us from following you, Lord, remove it from our lives. And if there's anybody who hasn't received Jesus, I pray that tonight that they would just put their sins at the foot of the cross and ask you to come into their heart and their lives. If you're here tonight and you want to know how to do that, just come up afterwards and I'll pray with you. And if you're on the internet, there's a number on the screen that you can just call and we'll send you materials to get you started with your walk with Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to www.cccrossfields.org where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. If you have any questions or have a prayer request, please email us at contact at cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless.